Hello, you are listening to the Plumfield Moms, and this is Our Librarian Life, a card catalog project at Plumfield and Paideia. Hi, I'm Diane Pendergraft. I'm here with Sarah Masaryk, and we have Sherry Early and Christy Stansfield with us today to talk about libraries. Yay! Yay! <laughs> Welcome, friends. Today we are here to have our regular monthly episode of Our Librarian Life, which we kind of think is the, the peanut butter to the jelly of our reading life and our librarian life. Kind of um, all the things that we seem to care about the most are in these two episodes each month. So welcome back, Christy and Sherry, for this lively discussion about how we caretake our libraries and um, kind of what the Lord's doing through our libraries. Friends, I'll let you know that we're actually doing the intro to this episode in the middle of it because our conversation was so dynamic from the get-go that we just went. <laughs> we didn't even, <laughs> we were like, wait, we should really stop and go and record the opening. So you're going to hear it in the correct order. Because we're talking about such an interesting topic as mold. Mold. <laughs> yeah. I know, friends, you are all waiting to hear what we have to say about mold. You marked this on your calendar. It was so exciting. <laughs> but, you know, maybe a little bit practical, maybe a little bit entertaining. I don't know. <laughs> this is the problem in my library because my Dyson heater, even though it works great, it keeps the temperature about 20 degrees more than what the outside temperature is. Yeah. So when the outside temperature goes to 20, I'm only going to hit 40 out here. And at least a couple of months out of the year, I can't. I can't do anything. Oh, no, yeah. So what do you do then? I don't. What are you going to do? <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I have I have no way to improve that. So it's great, though, for your books, because any suspicion of mold and it's gone. <laughs> yeah. We call it hi book hibernation. I love it. It's like taking a little freezer bath every winter. <laughs> well, and since since I'm the bag librarian anyway... Mm -hmm. I can come out here and, you know, take take the heater with me and take it to where I'm going to be. Yeah. And, you know, I can, I'm a tough old bird. I can take it. <laughs> Work with gloves on. <laughs> Work with yeah. gloves. Yeah. <laughs> just pull That's what you all. need to pull. <laughs> yeah. And then just take it in the house. Right. And work on it there. Right. Exactly. <laughs> oh, I love hmm. it. <laughs> well, actually, this would make an interesting segment, to be honest. We should actually include this in the recording of what do you do in the winter? <laughs> yeah. What do I do? When not you're not in Houston. When you're not in Houston. <laughs> hey, so ladies, I've been very curious to see all four seasons in my library. I'm coming up on my one year anniversary. So I'm coming to see how the temperature, the humidity, all of that changes from season to season. Because I'm in a basement, which I know. Lots and lots of people are like, never be in a basement. I'm like, okay, but I live in Wisconsin. Our basements are totally different than basements in Georgia. So if you even have a basement in Georgia. So I do, I do know like basements are a different thing. And mine is a finished basement. You know, it's, it's reasonably environmentally controlled. But I definitely notice in the summer, my books get a little bit more. It's just a little like I'm concerned about mold long term. So what we do is we run an ozone machine once a week in the summer, just as a precaution. And we run a dehumidifier just as a precaution. 
So I'm in a basement. What about you, Sherry? You're, where are you? Where's your library? In the front of my house. We run air conditioning all summer. <laughs> you have to. Or you die. Um, <laughs> so I don't know. I haven't, if I had the books out in the garage or something, maybe. Yeah. So in Texas, does it get very humid or no? Oh, in Houston it does. It does. Yeah. Okay. It's very humid. But I figure the air conditioning takes care of that. No? Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I don't know. Yeah, that's great. I think so. I think the air conditioning dries out the air. Yeah. Well, if you want to know, yeah. you get your handy little gadget that tells you what the humidity is. Unless you kind of don't want to know. Unless you kind of don't want to know. Because <laughs> you have no other alternative. Oh, yes. Hum- uh, Houston, yeah. Houston has a reputation for being humid and hot. Yeah. I grew up in West Texas, which would be more like the climate that Diane is in. Except not as cold. Ah. I was going to say, wow, I had no uh, idea. But, <laughs> you could get to dry. 20 below. <laughs> but dry. Dry. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Very dry. Yeah. Uh, very, very dry. <laughs> so do you have to do anything every year for environmental concerns with your books? Or are your books just good because they're in a house and they're in a main part of a house and there's no concern? Yeah. Um, no, I don't have to do anything. Nice. Very nice. So, Christy, what about you? Where is your library located? Well, historically, my library was located in my house mm-hmm. for a long time. Well, it was located in my house and in a storage unit and maybe another storage unit. And then <laughs> um, upstairs in my house and in the basement. Mm-hmm. And that's when I learned to my dismay that even books in boxes where you have actually enclosed the box in plastic and and tied it up and everything can take on moisture yeah especially if those boxes are up against a cement wall yeah yeah i found out the same thing i didn't know that's wild cement just really seems to be a magnet for moisture right yep Mm-hmm. Mm. And then um, after we had the summer of floods in the basement, we had uh, environmental testing done to check mold levels and things like that. And we did have to have a mold remediation, mm. but it, it wasn't as bad as it could have been. Mm. In the 80s, somebody had put up like uh, masonite paneling mm. on the walls downstairs. All that had to be ripped out. And um, I was talking to her and she said that Below grade, there are only certain materials that are really qualified to be used below grade right? Um, for moisture problems and things like that. But for most hairy homeowners, they, they don't even think about that. No, exactly. Exactly. No. We decided not to rebuild the basement areas with the walls and all that kind of stuff. And about that time, I think it was right before that, we had moved the books out to the uh, the library building, which sits next to my house. Did you build the library building or was it always there? Uh, oh, no. The shed people in uh, Pennsylvania built it. <laughs> but I mean, it wasn't on your property. You we, bought a shed, right? No, we bought a shed. Okay. We bought a shed and had it delivered. And it is one of the garage door sheds. Okay. So that it has a rolling garage door. But I, I bought the extra... Um, insulation Mm. in the garage door and in the doors and windows 
So I have two windows, so there's cross ventilation, but I can put a window unit of the air conditioning in the summer. Oh, nice. Nice. So that, that takes care of the moisture that way. That was another thing the um, environmental lady told me was that um, you can run, and in our basement, she suggested we run a dehumidifier and the air conditioning right. at the same time. Right, exactly. Because it's it can really overwhelm it. But since we've done that, I have kept a little humidifier gauge downstairs, and it rarely goes above 50%. Oh, nice. Diane, what about you? Where's yours? It's in my front room, and I'm not very worried about the um, environment. I mean, except when I'm in here sitting still, <laughs> because my house is so drafty. Mm -hmm. We keep our thermostat at 74 just so that it's comfortable any place that's not right by the thermostat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I do have a little... What's the word for the humidifier? A humidistat? Humidistat. Or something? I think it's a humidistat. It has, yeah. Oh, okay. I thought there was some other weird word. But anyway, I've had one in my bedroom for a long time because for myself, and it almost never gets above 30-something in there. Wow. So yeah. even though we have more humidity in Sheridan than a lot of other places in Wyoming in the summertime, it doesn't get up high enough to worry about. Mm, nice. Very nice. Yeah. So going back to what Christy said about the boxes, I've heard and seen some videos that the reason why librarians keep books, one of the reasons why they keep books on the very edge of the shelf rather than pushed back is because it allows for airflow so as to keep mold at bay or, you know, any of the little airborne whatever. It's to keeping air moving around those books and it prevents the decay of the books. Which I thought it was interesting. Mm -hmm. I would think you would tuck them in and that that would preserve the book. Well, it does until you pull the book off the shelf. It's exposed to the air and all the mold or whatever has like the spores have settled in it and then just explodes in growth. Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Stay tuned, folks, for more interesting content here from the... From the danger zone. <laughs> Can we just have though, a philosophical conversation about this for a minute? Because one of the things I was so freaked out about when I started this library last winter was mold. I got a couple of books that were bad from variety of sources. And I was so concerned about contamination. And so many of the librarians I know of are concerned about contamination. And I have really had a change of heart about that. I think somewhere along the way, I learned that I'm not the librarian who wants to collect the oldest books because I just don't know that I want to be chasing the maintenance of them. I want the best I can get for any, any of the classics that are gone, right? Like any of the books that are gone, if they're old, I want them. But if there's a reprint of Tornado Jones and an old book of Tornado Jones, I want whichever one's going to best hold up in my library. So if there's a hardbound modern reprint, that's the one I want, as long as it's not severely edited or something. Because I just want one that's really replaceable and one that can really be read pretty hard by my patrons. But I'm, you know, I'm still, I talk like I know what I'm talking about, right? I've been doing this for a year. I really don't know what I'm talking about. What about you girls? How did you, how have you come to think about your books and collecting those older unicorns? 
I like pretty books as much as anybody. I don't buy books to show. I buy books to be read. Mm -hmm. And honestly, I don't buy the really fancy, nice, pretty hardbacks that are being reprinted because they're too expensive for me and I would be worried about them and Mm -hmm. I I would be worried about loaning them out. I, I just, I don't do that. Right. You know, give me a book that's solid sturdy and I can loan out and I can read myself and you know and I don't have to do maintenance on no I I like it Sherry I I mean I think it's just a very wholesome attitude to have I really do I want to have more of that (laughs) that's what I'm that's what I'm trying to be (laughs) Christy what about you well I have a radar very active radar for stinky books Mm. and uh you know I may look a little odd in various places, but because I've got, I'm standing there. If I'm going to buy a book, I'm standing there and my nose is buried. I mean, I don't wave it in front of my face. I open it up to the mm-hmm. center and I bury my nose right down to the binding yeah. because it hides. It but does. then it comes out mm-hmm. eventually. When you're reading and then or something, I, I'll, yeah. I'll walk through and as careful as I am, I'll be walking through here and I'll catch a whiff of something. And mm-hmm. it's like, hmm, somebody passed inspection and they shouldn't have. (laughs) (laughs) And and I have to give myself permission to let it be for a little while until I can get back to it. But um, but yeah. See, I don't do, I don't do any of that. So, you know, we were talking about visiting each other's libraries and helping each other out earlier. I need Christy to come down here and smell all my books <laughs> for me because <laughs> I don't do that. <laughs> so, Christy, and to build off of last month, your librarian superpower is you are a mold detector. <laughs> I am a stinky book. And you know what's funny is that mildew and mold are not the necessarily same. the mm-hmm. same. Mm-hmm. And all molds are not the same. Mm-hmm. And after having the environmental assessment of our area... And they, and they test everywhere. They test outside. Mm-hmm. They test inside. They test all the places. I even had her run a test in my library. Yay. Just just because. Right. And um, what, what was really interesting is that both she and the remediation guy, you could go into my basement and smell it. Right. You could smell it. And they, I mean, the the remediation guy was like, oh, please don't go down there without putting on a mask. And he even gave me masks before he came back to do the remediation. He says, please, please wear one of these if you go down there. Don't get. But then the test came back and and they were both shocked that it was not near as bad as what they thought it would be. I mean, it wasn't even really terrible. Interesting. Maybe what saved us is that we don't have central air conditioning. Mm, mm-hmm. So we don't have that ability to transfer, circulate that, that around the house. Mm-hmm. So the upstairs of the house was fine. And it was just some in, in the basement. But we went ahead and had it all cleaned anyway. Start over. Interesting. I am a stinky book detective <laughs> that because that, I just I do not like that smell that no. I either react to it. It makes me cough. It makes my head hurt. Yeah. I can't walk down the the uh, detergent aisle in the grocery store, you know, yeah. those kind of things. So I'm a stinky book detector. Tanya Arnold sent me a couple of real unicorns that she had purchased along the way that 
were they were terrible. The seller had completely misrepresented them. And different sellers, different different transactions. And so for she for over a several year period, she had run them through multiple ozone treatments. She had put them in the freezer. She had done everything to save these books. So she sent them to me. And when I got them, they smelled totally fine. And I I swear to you, they smelled completely fine. So we thought maybe she just had the smell in her memory. Like she just couldn't Mm -hmm. not smell it. Yeah. And but I was still careful and we put them in quarantine and sure enough every day the smell came out stronger. All it needed mm-hmm. was a little bit of air to grow. So we've bagged them up, double bagged them, put them in the freezer and they're going to Jody Skinner of Smidgen Press so that Jody can have them to um so that if she can secure the rights for them, she's got copies that she can cut up and destroy <laughs> and burn when she's done. <laughs> because yeah. there's just no yeah. other use for them at this point. So, yeah. Yeah. I have a few like that, that are not terrible. So they are in quarantine Mm -hmm. and they're bagged Mm -hmm. because I can't bear to give them up. Right. But they're not in general circulation and they're not allowed to touch the rest of the babies. Exactly. And (laughs) some of them do spend their time in the freezer Mm -hmm. and, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, but I, I have them clearly marked. Nice. Very nice. Well, that's why I think if we can get these those kinds of babies off to publishers who will reprint them, then at least they've lived out their lives correctly. Right. <laughs> we can send them on to their maker. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll have to keep that in mind in in looking at these ones that I've I've rescued and that are still in quarantine mm-hmm. to see if they might be something that she she'd be able to work with or one of the other publishers would like. Exactly. Good idea. Good idea. Well, because we're just sitting here trying to think about what what is it that we really care about? We really care that these books are in print. That's the goal. I I remember we have a librarian friend who was so sick when Captain Kid came into print because she had worked so hard to find a unicorn. And I totally respect that. I completely relate to and understand the agony she was in that she had worked so hard to get a copy and now here it is. And it's commonplace. You know, the market is flooded with them. And I thought I felt so badly for her because I understood exactly why she was feeling that way. But it was a lesson to me to not obsess over unicorns, but rather to work hard to see that unicorns get back into print somehow. Make it the mission to not track them down, but rather to get them reprinted if possible, because that's really the goal is to get the good books back on our shelves. And like you said, Sherry, in a, in a readable format. It doesn't have to be perfect. It just has to be in a good, sturdy, readable format. Right. Diane, what about you? What is your philosophy on collecting the older books? Are you looking for the unicorns? Are you, like, what kind of books are you looking for for your library? Well, my husband and I have always been suckers for pretty books. Mm-hmm. And long before we thought about having a library, we sometimes had some really nice ones. But I almost never have kept anything that I wouldn't be willing to take off the shelf and read myself. Yeah. And we just haven't had money for fancy books. So it's yeah. pretty much they have to be serviceable. Yeah. I love that. I'm not going to say that the librarians who are out there collecting the unicorns and preserving them, that there's anything wrong with what they're doing. I think it's marvelous what they're doing because they're making sure that these books are going to places 
where they're going to be cared for and preserved. And then they share, they freely share those books with publishers when the publishers are looking for them and stuff. I've, I've seen these librarians actively do that. I know so many of the books that Jill Morgan has reprinted over the years. She's talked to the librarians to get their dust jackets or to borrow copies of some of them. They've even sacrificed their books for. So I think what they're doing is exceptionally important and good. But I think well, it depends on if you're trying to complete a collection too, right? That maybe you're building as a legacy for your family. Yes, absolutely. Then why not? Right. You know, <laughs> yeah. Who wouldn't want to have a complete collection of the original landmarks? Oh, all of you us. You know, all it, of it's us. Kind would of love like that. The, yeah, we would all. And some of us are more motivated than others, right? Because it's part. If, if it's part of your family culture, mm-hmm. then go for it. Mm-hmm. The lesson I've had to learn this year is all like I have extremely pretty Tolkien books that do not come downstairs. They are not in the library. So, you know, I have those kinds of very pretty books that are set aside. But at the end of the day, 98% of my book buying has to be that which I can rest easy if a toddler takes a crayon to it. You know, <laughs> like if a mom comes to me devastated that their child has inadvertently wrecked the book. I can't even have a, I can't even let my heart skip a beat over it. I just spiritually can't allow that to happen. I have to learn to be okay with it, whatever it is. But to move on from old. Well, I have things to talk about. Well, go for it, Christy. What's going on in your library this month? Well, first of all, I have a response to last month's episode because I had to listen to the tail end of it because I had to leave early. And so I I missed some of the fun, but I just (laughs) wanted to uh, share my library superpower. Mm -hmm. I was thinking about that and thinking that um, I think my superpower is rabbit trails and squirrels. (laughs) (laughs) This this is true. These these are true things. Yes. Mm -hmm. These are very true things. (laughs) Um, I... I, um, I am married to a person who is the exact opposite of me. Oh. <laughs> and and so, you know, I I so admire his ability to double down on a task and focus on it and and just be able to shut out the world mm. and get it done. Mm-hmm. He's so good at that and I I just cannot when I'm working out here in the library or I have a stack of books to go through. I can start out saying, okay, I'm just going to enter these in the catalog. I'm just going to enter these in the catalog. I am not going to look to the left or to the right. I'm just going <laughs> to stick to the path. And 10 minutes later, squirrel has happened. And I am deep into, oh, but this book would go with this. And Oh, well, this is called for in picture book preschool. Oh, well, what other ones go along with it? Oh, oh, do I have any others by this author? Oh, oh, well, let's check biblio guides. How many do they have with this author? Oh, my goodness. Now I got to mark them there. Oh, and did Sherry review these yet? It. Yes. Oh, yes. look at what Which she reviewed. Yes. Oh, I don't have that. that. To my, my new squirrel project. <laughs> Because, you know, I don't know if people have realized this yet, but we have this little Facebook group, the League of Lending Librarians, and I've been trying to post a couple of times a week on 
things that are going on with the librarians or things that we've added to the card catalog page because I want to keep up with what's going on there and I forget to look. So I uh, figure if I set myself a task yes. to post about it, then I have got to go look for it. So I have those two days, Mondays and Fridays, pretty well planned about what I'm going to uh, post. And then I got this neat squirrel idea <laughs> that I think came as a result of the all these rabbit trails that I go down. So I, I get these books and I'm sure that I am not alone in saying that there's never going to be any way that I can ever read them all. Oh, no, absolutely not. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I have all the lists and I have all the mm -hmm. books about books and I still have my Valerie's Living Library notebook mm -hmm. and all of these things, but it doesn't really tell you what the book is about. No. Mm -hmm. And you can get the little summary and that sounds fine, mm -hmm. but then there are reviews. And I think that that came out to me when I, I thought I had a copy of The Lemonade Wars. Now, I sell this all the time mm. at my consignment sales. Contemporary books are not something that I'm extremely familiar with. Right. And it's not extremely contemporary, but it is more contemporary <laughs> fiction. Right. Right, Sherry? I mean, it's not, but yeah. it's contemporary compared to how old I am. <laughs> <laughs> so so I, I went to Sherry's blog mm -hmm. and typed in Lemonade Wars. Lo and behold, Sherry... Yep had a couple of uh, reviews on her blog about the Lemonade Wars. And then my my very busy little superpower brain started thinking, well, if I, I forget to go and look up reviews, I, mm -hmm. I could probably sit and read reviews all day. Mm -hmm. And I, but I'm not going to take the time to go here. Right. And to go there. Right. All right. Is it over here? Does Plumfield have it? Mm -hmm. Does BiblioGuides have it? There are too many places right. to look for it. So I thought, well, I, like Sherry, like to make lists. <laughs> I think it must be, it must be a thing. And I thought, well, I've always been looking for something to post on Wednesdays. Mm. And I thought, okay, how about if I go and look at the reviews that have just been posted recently. Yes. Mm -hmm. And if I put them in a post on the League of Lending Librarians, it'll be searchable. Yes. And I thought, well, if it's going to help me, maybe it'll help some other librarians because reading a review actually will give you an idea of how the story goes and who, the who audience you might is. recommend it for, yeah. who the audience is mm -hmm. for. So anyway, that's, that's my latest Stay tuned because I haven't gotten it done yet. And it's Wednesday. Then I find, and it's Wednesday. <laughs> and I have run but it's out of still time. Still Wednesday. Yeah, it's still Wednesday. Yeah. So it, it, I I never set a goal of what time of day. No, exactly. Or in what time zone? Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> so I mean, really, you have like midnight to until midnight in Hawaii. Really, I mean. Yeah, yeah, seriously. So I'm just saying this as a push to myself, a little accountability that I really, really, really want to do this because I love reading reviews. Yay! So there, that's my my uh, superpower is rabbit trails, and that's my latest one. <laughs> and uh, and then I, I've I've heard this talk about the word for the year, and I I, I never. You know, I always like, yeah, yeah, Who, whoever wants yeah. to think about that. But you're right? feeling one this year. 
I am definitely mm-hmm. feeling I'm going to have a word for the year. Mm-hmm. And I'm embarrassed to even admit that to myself. Because <laughs> I just don't even see what you know, happens when you hang out with these that, younger, these younger librarians, all oh. these little trends and stuff. And it's like making you not, trendy, Christy, trendy. I'm way, I've roped you in. <laughs> oh, they have. I, I must be Stay strong, Sherry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I do believe this word has been thrust upon me. And my word for the year is distribution, which is an, a, a very not glamorous sounding word. Doesn't sound very spiritual either. But it, but it, is, it is because, see, this is what I think when we take the word of the year project seriously, and I'm not saying everybody should. I'm saying over the last five years, six years, the Lord has just really made it abundantly obvious to me. Hey, I have a theme for you this year. And the word will make no sense to you in November. But come February, it's going to start to make sense. And by August, it's going to be so clear. It's going to be painful. (laughs) You're going to be looking for a new word. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. When you said distribution doesn't sound very spiritual, isn't that what the apostles appointed deacons for mm. was well, distribution yes. partly for I distribution guess, yes this is true yep well and, and so you're a book deacon <laughs> <laughs> well and the thing oh, is boy. it is spiritual because it's not the act of distributing books to people that's not necessarily or inherently spiritual but the act of being obedient to the prompting of the spirit and saying I have this material thing mm-hmm. that I've invested in, my time, my talent, my resources, and I am going to, out of an obedience to the Spirit, I am going to send this to where I think God is intending it. That's a form of radical obedience. I mean, that is a such an act of charity, and it's grace-soaked. How can that not be a spiritual word? Because it's acknowledgement of who these books actually belong to. Amen. There you go. It's not us. Mm-hmm. No. Exactly. And what they're really for, not to be pretty on a shelf. I have completed the project of the book Deluge that came <laughs> uh, over two batches. And uh, we, we brought that project to completion. Thankfully, we had a day of wonderful weather. And I spent all day outside mm. sorting books out of those boxes and then began the process of distribution yay and so they're pretty much all gone to their new homes yay god be praised wow (laughs) yep that was a job and i thought well that distribution (laughs) and it's starting now it's not even waiting for 2024 it's starting now i mean it is the catholic new year already maybe you just got a little bit of a catholic bug going on talk to your (laughs) daughter-in-law does it happen by osmosis is that what (laughs) but it hit so it right we know that christ's birth is really the beginning of all things as is his resurrection and so it's okay if your word of the year begins it at the end of another year because you're just walking into this next year with him and you're honoring him. Yeah. See, you're acting like the Magi. You're bringing your gifts. Oh, boy. <laughs> now, the question is, how do you feel? Because I think a lot of librarians would be dying inside to be watching all these books going out. How, how do you feel about it? Oh, it feels great. Yay. 
it, it does. I, yeah, I mean, there are a few that I kept. Of course. Uh, you you know. still have to keep what you need. You're, you keep what you're called right. to keep. To fill a little hole here and there. Yeah. Not that I have many, but uh, there were some that were just overwhelmingly obvious to me that they, they needed a good home. Mm -hmm. And there was a whole bunch of them that just needed Oh, another home right yeah and maybe they weren't <laughs> a different home. they weren't like the greatest gems or jewels ever some of them no. but no. some of them will fill a need somewhere and yes right there there's there's the value and they wouldn't have filled that need in your library no exactly right see very spiritually mature of you yes and if the word holds true maybe within the next year i will actually have enough room put in the things that I need to keep mm -hmm. because the things that I don't need to keep will have new homes and have made space. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's for me when I've done the word of the year, it has usually been a very painful process, but it is always the Lord making space for something so much better in my life. One year we were called to radical obedience and it was a year where we were, we were just being refined in every every hard way. And it was so, so difficult to endure. But at the end of the year, our hearts were bigger and our capacity to hear and obey the spirit was greater, which then prepared us for the next leap we needed to make. And so I think the process is, you know, it's, there's a lot of blessings along the way, but if there isn't a little bit of struggle, it's probably, probably not doing it right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, my, my biggest struggle will probably be going to the post office. Yeah, well, there's always a tax. There is always that. a tax. Oh, that's the hard part. What I figured out is that my son and my husband will go to the post office for me. Yeah. If I just get it ready and say, will you take this and mail it? Wow. They will do it. Wow. Isn't that That's amazing. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So if you, you know, think about it, there might be somebody in your life who would just take it and no, mail it for you. My son will accompany me. He'll help carry. Ah. He, he will carry it all in. He is very good about that. I, I guess when I say post office, it's the actual packing oh. of it because there are decisions oh, yeah, to be made so many you so know, many yeah so many just it's like can I fit it in here can it's I fit puzzle. it in there and yes it is and that just reminds me this same son loves that kind of puzzle well, Christy, see have a <laughs> untapped resource yes. here wow now see okay. your your word of the year has prompted you to think about how to do things differently and now your son you're going to be able to deploy your son into this work and right. he doesn't listen to this podcast so he's fine and we're going to keep it that way <laughs> yes. excellent excellent our little secret our little secret when Diane and I were in Denver this summer, I was speaking at a homeschool conference and we met up with Tanya and her daughter, Kira, and my daughter, Greta, came with us. So at the conference, we bought books. Of course, all of us did. And then, then on the last morning, we were leaving and we were all we went out for breakfast. And as we were driving back to the hotel so that Tanya could drop us <laughs> off, so Diane and Greta and I could hang out and she and Kira could drive back to Utah. All that we're driving, there's multiple lanes of traffic. 
and Tanya's radar went off and we we're like, okay, you know, there's, there's a McDonald's on the side of the road or whatever. And she's like, oh, bookstore. And we're all like, what? And we look and there's dead silence in the car. Like they have to go. They are late. And we're like, and I just went, Tanya. And she pulls on the steering wheel, crosses three lanes of traffic. <laughs> doesn't blink <laughs> crosses through the intercessions goes down the alley and parks in the back and next thing you know we're in a store and i didn't buy connie willis i'm so mad at myself roswell was there and other stuff what? i know i didn't know <laughs> wow but the problem was then we had to pack these things into luggage Oh, talk about a puzzle. When Greta and I actually got to the airport, I was unpacking and repacking bags again and again to try to get the puzzle just right because we had too much weight in our in our checked bag. <laughs> oh. Well, we all know how Sherry solves that problem. <laughs> just sends them along. <laughs> just puts them in a box and sends them home. Well, we did have options because... Tanya was traveling by ground, and so was I. Yeah. So, so we did. We, we send... could have done something different. Well, I did. Yeah. I sent a whole box with Tanya, mm -hmm. <laughs> and then she mailed it to me. <laughs> so anyway, all that to say, uh, I sympathize with the. You gotta do what yeah. you gotta do. <laughs> you have That's to. That's it. Important business. Oh, the bookstore owners in that store—they were so confused when we came in. <laughs> they didn't understand. Yeah, what are you? What are you doing here? Where are you from? <laughs> Why do you care about these books? Oh. <laughs> then we didn't want to tell them because they might have raised the prices. <laughs> <laughs> don't don't tell them why we want these. Oh yeah, that that is uh, like that's book stealth, right? Mm -hmm. You can't act excited mm -mm. about these things. Very passive. They're going to get yeah. ideas. Mm -hmm. Oh my goodness, no. Yeah, like oh, this was yeah. I thought this was interesting. <laughs> Yeah, if they don't this know, why should I tell them? Very <laughs> interesting. <laughs> it's $9 instead of 90 <laughs> oh. Well, Sherry, what about you? What's going on in your library? Well, I also got through with the bags of books project <laughs> and got Yay. all those sorted out. But so then, because I don't have room on my shelves at all, <laughs> I got all the Christmas books out of the closet. <laughs> Made it even worse. <laughs> Somewhere. <laughs> no, I managed to get them on my little rolling shelf mm -hmm. that is that sits in my hallway. Um, and with the help of checking some of them out immediately, yep, yep. various people, I got all the Christmas books on the shelf. It's been Christmas for the last... <laughs> week or two <laughs> Yay. that's pretty good so what else is going on and then uh, to tie in with christy's project i've been trying to review a lot of those christmas books at my blog stay so... tuned everyone they're <laughs> on my list <laughs> well you know i figure people are always looking and if i get them done now it feels right it if i try to yeah. review christmas books in august or something yeah but then in July or August, when people are looking for Christmas exactly. books ahead of time, mm -hmm. those people that plan ahead, <laughs> then you can refer them back to the reviews. That that yep. seems like yep. it will work out. I think so. Anyway. And yep. we're going to do Christmas in July at the on the podcast. So we're going to have everybody back and we're going to talk about Christmas books 
specifically so that people can go and buy their Christmas books ahead of time before they go up in price, you know, when they, when they're still, you can go and get them at thrift for three or four dollars or whatever. So I love that you're doing that. I, I wish I was doing that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you have a lot of other. Yeah, well. All of us have been working on a lot of projects. We have. So. We really have. So, yeah. yeah. I've been doing a, the all the Christmas book moving and stuff like that. But um, I've also been doing a lot of reading because because we have several projects underway that require reading, which is a good thing. <laughs> I mean, if, what, what are these libraries about if they're not about reading? Exactly. <laughs> you can get so lost. You can. Mm-hmm. You can get so lost in the weeds of yeah. doing the library yeah. that you forget to read. And and then you lose your or way. Or you don't have time to mm-hmm. read or whatever. Mm-hmm. And and I I don't think that I would ever do that. I've always said I can't I can't live without yeah. reading. I have eight children. People used to say how do you find time to read? And I'm like, I have to uh-huh. read. I, I, I read while I'm breastfeeding. <laughs> I read while I'm, yes. you know, yes. I read whenever, but I have mm-hmm. to read. But you can get really lost in the work of the library and have a lot less time to read if you're not careful. And that's one of the things that we've been talking about a lot, the four of us, because Diane, Sherry, and I all are book reviewers. And we're book reviewers because we love books and it helps to support our library work. But for me and Diane, it came book reviews first. Sherry, what came first for you? Book reviews or the library? Oh, book reviews. Wow. Yeah. Because because I write them for myself right. so that otherwise, I mean, and, and I, I laugh and say it's my age, but it's not. No. Um, I've always been like this. If if I don't write it down, I won't remember it. <laughs> okay. Let me put a word in here for the other people. I have never been like that. Ever. Never been like what? I, what? Like, well, like you all talking about how did you start? You started writing reviews. Right. You've always written reviews. You read and you love to write reviews. And you did that even before you started your libraries. Right. I have never done that. Right. So take heart, those of you (laughs) who do not write reviews. Mm -hmm. It is not a prerequisite to being a librarian. Amen. We can, because you have to have somebody that's going to read them. Right. And and that's the point of what you're trying to do for Wednesdays is that there are some of us who are reviewers first and librarians second or librarians and reviewers wrapped up together. Our whole goal, Sherry's and ours, is to remind ourselves what's in the books, but also to make it easier for other people to know what's in the books, librarians especially. Moms and librarians, yes. that's who we're writing for. Yes. And I'm especially interested in the more current books, mm-hmm. I would say within the last 20 years. Right. Mm-hmm. And um, the ones that are longer. Mm-hmm. Because I was a mom with a bunch of kids, and it was easy to get through picture books mm-hmm. and and the earlier chapter books and even some of the middle grade fiction. Right. Because they weren't as long. They were very familiar. They were uh, widely used. Right. But as you move into the more contemporary or the more realistic fiction, mm-hmm. and they're longer books, you have older children, and now you don't have the time. Right. To, to read those books. Or the bandwidth. And to be able to, 
yeah, or the bandwidth mm-hmm. to be able to keep up with them. Right. Right. And so that is is what I I'm looking for the reviews that aren't your typical, okay, well, you know, this book is on every list. Right. It's more of what about Gary, Gary, D. Gary D. Schmidt and specifically not the Wednesday Wars? Like, what about his other right. stuff? What is there? Right. What What does that all have to do? Or or Linda yes. Sue Park or, you know, any any of those or, n- yes. newer books. Yes. Yes. So I'm not going to be looking for reviews of old, old books. Right. Because those are the ones that, that we have all the lists to say, yeah, they're okay. Right. You know, you, you can pretty much count on it. Uh, that that's uh, that's where I find the hole in my own education is in the more contemporary uh, realistic fiction books that have been produced in the last 20 years or so. Yeah. Well, and it's important to be able to find the reviews of those books from a conservative Christian perspective. Amen. Exactly. Because you can find reviews of contemporary books. Mm-hmm. Um Almost, I mean, there are a lot of bloggers and a lot of reviewers mm-hmm. and a lot of magazines and all those kind of things. If you looked up the Lemonade Wars, just Googled mm-hmm. it, you could find reviews. Right. But I don't want those. Yeah, that's right. But they might not tell you, or you don't know. You don't know those people. You don't know where they're coming right. from. So right. you don't know. Right. right. Or you might have somebody who is... Like, I think one of the advantages to Sherry and Diane and I is that we have read deeply of the classics. Our preparation for modern books grew out of a formation in the old books. So we know what the gold standard is. And we have a reasonable chance of understanding what the gold standard might be today. And so when I read a Gary D. Schmidt book, I'm not reading it from the like Sam Smith would say, like the overly safe Christian perspective that would say no Gary D. Schmidt at all because it deals with difficult themes. Nor am I reading it from the modern secular perspective, which has got all of its all kinds of other issues. We're reading it from the what is the author's intention? How does he use the mechanism to get there? And how does he caretake the reader while he does it? Will he stretch you? without breaking you? Will he teach you without hurting you? Yes, he will do those things. So that's where we try between, I think, the three of us and some others that we know of, we try really hard to write reviews that help moms deal with those books that are challenging for our young people to read, but good for them to read as well. Mm -hmm. So friends, Sherry is sort of teasing that she's working on a big project. She's actually working on several projects. So earlier this fall, Tanya and Sarah from BiblioGuides invited Sherry and Diane and Christy and me and some other librarians and some members of their team to join a really big project that they're working on. It's actually two projects, and it's still in a very uh, tender stage, so we're not going to be talking about that yet. We're just teasing that it's coming. But as a byproduct of that project we began two other projects that just naturally grew out of that work. And one of them we want to tell you about today. As Christy was saying that there is a need to understand the modern books, we also feel that there's a need to understand the older books. And we're particularly enamored with some of these older books that 
have sort of disappeared. And so we've created a project called the 1924 Project. And Sherry is really spearheading the whole thing. It's a multi-phase project. And Sherry is the team leader for the first phase. And then she's also one of the team leaders for the second phase. And uh, they are underway. So Sherry, tell us about the 1924 Project. What is it and who? what are you doing with it right now? Well, we wanted to look back and see what the books were like for children 100 years ago, Mm -hmm. what was available, and see if we could pull out some of the best of those and recommend them to librarians and moms and whoever. So I went back and looked to find what was published for children in 1924 that we could find some kind of uh, reference to or review of. You know, obviously there were lots of books being published, but um, we were we were looking for the best ones. Mm-hmm. And so we went looking in some old review journals and things like that to see what, what the librarians were talking <laughs> about back then and came up with a list of about 30 books that were talked about mm-hmm. at that time. And then we got ourselves a committee together Mm -hmm. and we're trying to read through them and see what we've got. Some of them are books that were award winners at the time. Mm -hmm. And some of them are books that probably you haven't heard of. But like I said, the librarians at the time and the booksellers at the time were talking about them. So we thought we'd see what they were like. It's been really interesting. Very interesting to see how many books we don't really know about today that were really good back then or considered really good back then. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, it's interesting to see how tastes have changed. Sure. Um, how ideas of what's good for children mm-hmm. have changed. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to be eye-opening. Yeah. I'm not saying that all those changes are bad. Right. But it's a little bit of a time capsule, so it'll be very fascinating. Yeah. So we're doing this project between the card catalog, Plumfield, and BiblioGuides is also going to be a part of the project. So right now, Sherry and a team of readers are doing all the reading. And Diane and I are intentionally not reading right now because they are going to present to us the ones they think are most worthy. And we want to have sort of a blank slate so that when we come to the project, we don't want to have any preconceived notions about any of these books. And then Diane and I will read them and see what we think, see if we agree or disagree with the committee, and come here and discuss those with Sherry and some of the other readers. Discuss those books and showcase them if they are, in fact, worthy, which we we know some of them are. And then BiblioGuides is going to do some really interesting things on their site, uh, kind of putting the book in its perspective on time and to make it a valuable resource for librarians and moms. And if any of our listeners want to read along with us and see what they think, I'm planning to have a list of the 1924 books that I, the entire list, uh, posted at my blog, Semicolon, and you can find it there and read. Most of the books are available at least on Internet Archive. Okay, great. A lot of them are not available in print, but some of them are. So, 
yeah, you're welcome to read along and, and uh, let us know somewhere on social media what you think. Yay. And that list, once you have that list published, we'll put that in the car, in the Shelf Notes card catalog newsletter, right? And that's where they can go. They can mm-hmm. subscribe to the newsletter sure. and then they can get the link when we post next month's episode or next month's issue. And that will be the entire list of possible and not that we, we haven't even read some of them right. yet. So yeah, we'll see what we got. This list will not be vetted. <laughs> you might find some doozies in there. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> Wonderful. Well, we're very excited about this reading project and Diane and I will, will do our reading but we'll do our reading kind of in February and March and April once you've turned over the list to us. <laughs> it's not exactly what C.S. Lewis was talking about when he said to read old books, because I think he was thinking more about the Iliad and the Odyssey. <laughs> yeah. you know? But there is value in reading even books 100 years old to get a fresh perspective on on where our world is and where it's going now. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely it is. Well, I just love that all of these projects sort of beget new projects. So do you have plans to do more than 1924? What happens when you're done with the 1924 year? Um, we hope to do more, yeah. Mm-hmm. We hope to actually go uh, jump over to the 60s and do one of the years maybe 1963 or 1964, and then go back to 1925 and back and forth for a while. And as long as we, as long as we're still reading and it's still enjoyable. Right. The idea is to cover about a 50 year time period from either end Mm -hmm. so that we're not just everlastingly working through the Mm twenties and, and probably not living long enough to get through all of them. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. We might not get to the really good stuff because maybe the really good stuff was right there uh, about. Oh no. Around World War II. Right. Um, Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Don't say that. Don't say that. I'll be be awake at night worrying about the ones we're going to miss. We might just go like back a decade, forward a decade, back a decade, forward. Who knows? We might just jump all around. Who knows? (laughs) I have always liked sort of digging around in the piles to find the hidden jewels. Yeah, absolutely. Because I feel like they have to be there. That They're just things that somehow somewhere somebody decided which books survived as classics and other ones didn't and it doesn't mean that those were the only good ones out there well i think about how gk chesterton was a world phenomenon in his own day and then he mm-hmm. died and his death was eclipsed by world war ii and everything that happened afterwards and he was a completely forgotten name until americans became interested in him in the 90s and so then Chesterton is enjoying a revival now because now we know who he is. But he was lost to us for several decades. And I think that could mm-hmm. be the same story here with some of these books that got overlooked and then nobody knew about them. Yeah. Yay. Well, this month in my library, I have basically been dealing with the chaos of all the projects we're in. <laughs> and so both my projects in the library, but also these projects that we've been working on together. And for reasons I don't totally and completely understand yet, I, my husband and I felt strongly that the Lord was calling us into 
settling the second room of the library. And so we made a um, financially interesting decision to go and get 10 more bookcases. But on those, and so now that room is done. And, and I know that there's never done done, but for this season, we are done. And um, it, it's been really nice to be able to put different shelves for the different projects. So putting the different BiblioGuides projects that we have, and Diane and I are working on some projects, and um, we're going to talk about our packets probably next month. Um, so there's just all, the, all these different things, and now I have dedicated space where those books can live and be taken care of. And you'll put a link to your library tour yeah. in the show yeah, notes, right? Yeah, I will. Thank you. Because that will show everybody what what you're talking yeah, about. exactly. <laughs> your new shelves and what you're doing with them. <laughs> yes. And I, I will say that one of the reasons, and I say this in the tour, but moms out there, I happen to have all matching bookcases. So I have, uh, I think, 29 billies, and, billies from Ikea. And I don't know, maybe a dozen Calax, but they're all white. They're all Ikea white. They all match and they're all bolted to the wall, except for the ones that are free floating in the middle of the room. Your library doesn't have to look like that. I didn't do that by design. It was what's available. <laughs> and so we just went with what was available. And for us, it was Ikea white. And it was what was affordable for us. But one of the things I learned and one of the reasons why we made this decision is that when I have 30 to 40 children here, three or four times a month on one single day, I need somewhere for my little kids to go where they can be in there with their moms, where they can be safe and having fun and playing with the trains and pulling books off the shelves that are all appropriate for them. And so one of the reasons why we did this shelving was it allowed us to move furniture around and allowed us to give her, give a greater space in our library for that patron too. So I know this is, I'm very, very privileged and I'm very, very grateful, but I'm just explaining that the reason why we're doing this is the desire is to caretake the patrons that I have. I'm trying to serve the ones that I have the best that I can. I've never had a word for the year before, but I was just sitting here thinking, as far as my library goes, maybe this year it will be about education Ooh. and not for me, mm -mm. but for the community. Mm -hmm. because as, as I'm always saying there, I don't have very many patrons. And part of that is just that people don't know I'm here for one yes. thing. Mm -hmm. They haven't all figured out that the public library is pretty much empty of classics. Right. Mm -hmm. And they don't understand what it is I have here. Right. Or I'm trying to collect. And how you can assist them with their education. Right. So I teach at a homeschool program. And so one thing I do is just, especially with the younger kids, I just try to get good books into them because I'm always mm -hmm. thinking, well, these are books that everyone has read. And then I find out that these five and six and seven year olds have not read the books that I think everyone should read. Right. But last week I was talking to a mom about um, one of the little girls because I was so impressed with something she had written. And her mom said, oh, yeah, she does that all the time. And she just reads and reads and reads all the time. But we go to the library and we can't find any books for her. And we asked mm -hmm. the librarian and she knows what we're talking about, I think. But then she can't. We, they don't have any classics. So her 10 yeah. year old daughter just got done reading um, Treasure Island, which is fine. Mm -hmm. But then she moved on to Moby Dick. Mm. 
because mm, no, no, she no. couldn't find anything else. And I was going, oh, dear, oh, dear. I love Moby Dick, but I wouldn't have loved it when I was 10. Um, yeah. And I said, you need to come to my library. And she said, I know, I know. So they're going to do it this week. Yay! And again, as we keep saying, it's just advertising doesn't seem to work as a group. It no. has to be one person at a time. Because Personal. that's what it's for. Yep. Sorry, and word well, of mouth. And- so when, when they know, then they can tell someone else, but it doesn't do any good for me to tell everybody else. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's one of the projects that Sarah has been working on this month is video about what living books are and what what they can do for people um, with Michelle Howard, who calls herself the living books lady. Yeah. <laughs> And it seems like there ought to be some way that you can use that mm. for to educate your your patrons, your potential patrons, and and people. <laughs> oh, oh I, yes, I haven't figured out exactly how to get them to sit down and watch. <laughs> <laughs> but, well, it's thirty-two minutes, uh, so I think people look at it and go, "Oh my gosh, it's not that long." It is. I know it's not, but it is. It's it's basically a documentary. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it doesn't feel like 32 minutes. And I'm not saying that because I did the visual for it. It's Michelle talking. All I did was make it visually pleasing. Um, you know, I edited it. That's it. Um, and it's not, you're not, ver- you're never going to see Michelle's face in the video. You're not watching her talk. We created all the graphics and all the animation and all the quotes and all of that. But she's doing a side-by-side comparison of sample text. Here's a living book. Here's the modern counterpart in two different categories, both in history and in science. I thought it was incredibly interesting listening to her and then editing it. I didn't even really get sick of it. And I spent like 50 hours working on it and I didn't get sick of it. So I I think her talk must be pretty compelling. (laughs) When people come to visit my library and look at it to say, I want you to sit down here and watch this video. (laughs) Because this will tell you what kinds of books we're trying to right. we're trying to get into the hands of your children. Yeah. The problem with that is that they often come with their children. Right, right. And well, you could have milk and cookies ready, yeah. and you yeah. could do story time yeah. with the little ones <laughs> while they watch. <laughs> so, if anybody listening has ideas about how to get that video into the minds and hearts of our patrons and would-be patrons and uh, homeschool moms that we know and stuff let us yeah, know amen let us know or do it <laughs> do it yourself <laughs> yep you don't need to ask permission friends uh the link will be in the show notes you don't need to ask permission to share it anywhere you want to share it you can share it in a in homeschool groups you can share it on social media you can share it anywhere send it to your friends and family send it to your patrons i sent it to all of my patrons um and michelle's going to put it on her website it is on our website it's also, I mean, librarians, one of the librarians in the Legal Lending Librarians suggested that we link it on our Tiny Cat homepage. So I know I did that. Sherry, did you do that yet? I haven't done that yet, but I probably will. I think yeah. it's a great, I thought it was a great idea. So, well, Sherry, three out of the four of us have a word. Even Diane fell. It's just you. Do you have a word? You're going to have a word. Just you wait and see. Oh, a word for the yeah. year? 
Oh, um, yeah, I do, actually. Oh. I'm thinking about... Read? <laughs> yeah, oh, that sounds good. No, I've been looking at the word Sabbath oh. and rest, mm -hmm. which are the same thing as far as I can understand. Mm -hmm. So I think my word might be rest. Oh, I love that. I love that. And not so much that I'm this busy person because I'm not. It has more to do with trust and resting in the spirit. The idea that mm -hmm. that God is in control. Yeah, amen. Because rest is a much bigger word than go take a nap. It that's not what it is. Yeah. It's yeah. it's about a it's about our confidence to let him give us rest because we are trusting that he's in charge, that he's got it. I'm thinking about doing a word study on the word Sabbath in, in scripture and see what, what it yields, what bubbles up. Yay! <laughs> oh, I love it. This is great. <laughs> so, well, I think that'll be wonderful. I don't think I ever said what my word of the year is. I just realized that I've told you guys, but I don't, Christy just started the whole thing. So I won't spend a lot of time unpacking my word of the year right now, but I do have a word of the year, obviously. That's how uh, we started. That's how Christy and I started talking about this idea. And I have, I've had a word of the year for many, many years. And this year, my word of the year is message. And I um, feel like that's a very strange word. And I'm not exact. I'm definitely not sure what it means. I have some inklings. And I've been sitting with this word since September or early October. So I made it, made it a thing for myself on the first Sunday in Advent. And so I'm going to, I'm going to hold to this word and see where it takes me. So my word is message. Sherry's word is rest or Sabbath. And Diane's word is education. And Christy's word is distribution. Friends, if you have a word of the year, we want to know what is it? And if you like sharing, tell us why. Christy and Sherry, thank you very much. This is, now we have to say one of our favorite things to do, right? Yes, it's <laughs> only one of them. I'm sorry. You have to share yeah. favorites <laughs> with Tanya and Sarah. So right. <laughs> I really am enjoying how this particular podcast series is growing and evolving, um, just like our friendship is growing and evolving. And I love that we all were kind of willing to trust the spirit that this was a podcast worth trying and doing. And it's very different already than I imagined it would be, but it's really delightful. And I hope and pray that it's a blessing to other librarians, wannabe librarians, home librarians, mama, that includes you. Um, we hope and pray that there's some goodness in here for you. And we would love to know if there's anything in here that has been particularly meaningful to you we would also love your questions so feel free to come and find us you can find us on social media you can also find us um, in the biblioguides online community which is a mighty network totally free i would definitely encourage you to head to our show notes because we talked about a lot of things that have links to a lot of things so head over to our website to get the show notes and uh, and let us know if you have any ideas about how and where we can share that video with Michelle more, because we would love to be able to spread the good news that she has so beautifully put together for us. 
So thanks so much for listening, friends. And until next time.